John, you know, one of the things I pride myself on for uh, producing Robot or Not is that we <laughs> we make our rulings, you make your rulings, and then everybody tweets at us and writes into us via email to complain or to out, outpedant us or just, you know, and, and what I take pride on is not that people complain and write in. What I take pride on is we don't respond. Uh, however, you were uh, you were a, a coiner of uh, podcast follow up, and that's why this is officially the first robot or not follow up episode. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, all right. We got a lot of follow up this time too. Robot over the how many years we've been doing this? Yes, we have. Yes, I know. Well, I mean, usually I just discount the follow-up, but there was so much of it that I thought, well, we can make an episode out of this. The follow-up episode, robot at theincomparable.com for all of your suggestions about what we should cover and, I guess, follow-up, but I can't promise we'll ever, ever do this again. We had a lot of follow-up about your ruling that a straw had two holes. Um, Sarah sent a, a picture of a wood board with a hole cut out of it and said, does this have two holes? I like that. Uh, RJ said that by your logic, a donut has two holes. And Kevin proposed taking a donut as a visualizing exercise and then stretching it until it's very tall and narrow and asking the broader question, at what point in that process does the donut go from having one hole to having two holes? Now, Kevin is a mathematician, talked about topology in his email a little bit, but I I like this phrase. He said, as a mathematician, a straw has one hole, but most of my le- my time, I'm not a mathematician. I'm just a regular person, and as a human being, it has two holes. <laughs> so, uh, do you have any any follow up thoughts about when a an object has enough depth in its singular hole to uh, be more like it has two holes? You know, part of the the practice of not responding to people is not because we're trying to be mean or anything. It's just that like that that uh, that endeavor would never end, and essentially, the podcast is us doing that little miniature version of that doing that same thing one-on-one with every right. individual person that responds is a not scalable and b like we already did it on the podcast and i i, I like part of what i like about that is it allows people allows on mass the uh, you know the wisdom of the crowd to eventually start creeping towards arriving at what i would have said anyway so here lots of the people would give the examples it's like you know well, i put a hole in this piece of paper does that have two holes in it or whatever or what about a donut what if the donut is stretched out it's like you see you're getting there right they're like the they're arriving at what we arrived at on the show which is it's the fact that it's a straw the question was does a straw have one or two holes is not does any object with a hole pierced through it have one or two holes mm-hmm. and yes there is a difference between a flat piece of paper and a straw. And the essential question is, as pointed out, at what point between a straw and a piece of paper does it go from one hole to two, right? That is the question. But it's kind of an, you know, how many angels can dance in the head of a pin mm. type of thing. Because unless you have a concrete object that you want to talk about, just taking the straw and shrinking it is an academic exercise, not really relevant to the real world. You can ask about a donut. 
you can ask about a, a, a piece of wood. There are these sort of extremists who said, I don't care if you put, put a hole through anything, it's one hole, right? And I tried to give the, I tried to push that one to the extreme. I actually think I did respond to a few people on this. Like if you put a hole in the earth, um, you know, you dig, you start digging somewhere and, and you know, you st- dig wherever, whatever is opposite China on the earth. It's not the U S probably, but, um, you dig a hole it's somewhere and you come out in China, right? That's the old, uh, the mm-hmm. kids saying, if you just dig real deep, right? Uh, the earth, how many holes does the earth have? Well, there's one hole in China and there's one hole, you know, in New York or wherever, wherever kids in the seventies thought was opposite China, but it's not actually not actually opposite China, right? So the earth, you can agree in the common parlance is a two hole scenario. Well, what's between the earth and a piece of paper? What's between a straw and the piece of paper? And that gets at what we talk about on this show that lots of these problems, uh, lots of these questions when outside a formal system like mathematics and in the informal system of just a podcast where we talk about things, there is a line where it goes from having one hole to two hole, but without, uh, without a nucleation point for that discussion, without an actual object, it's not interesting to discuss how short the straw has to be or how thick the piece of paper has to be to go from one hole or two, because you'll argue about that forever. Whereas I think the question as posed with a straw has a straightforward answer because a straw is a straw and not a piece of paper. Yeah, I think you're right. Somewhere in uh, South America would be good to dig to China. Is that where it is? I don't, I don't remember where it is. Anyway, it's wherever you grew up uh, when you're, yeah. when you're uh, a kid. You're just right above there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do think that there is. I, I, I love Kevin's thing, which is like, look, mathematically, topologically, it's a single hole because the hole is continuous and goes from one end to the other. And like, I get it. But that there's the human aspect of it, which is at some point there is this imperceptible kind of like disconnect where you're thinking, well, no, there's an entrance over here and there's an entrance over mm-hmm. there. And that means that, that it's got two holes. Yeah. And, and that's essentially what mathematics is at its root is you define these formal systems with a set of rules and then you can perform operations within those rules. And the part that most you, you don't really learn in sort of grade school where you learn arithmetic or whatever is that you can define any kind of formal system of mathematics you want, right? We have a whole bunch of them that we can do and we have rules for, but you can make up your own as long as it's internally consistent or like, you know, you, you set the rules and you set the things that are defined and undefined. That's what mathematicians do all the time. And in the world of topology, there's a set of rules and a set of terms uh, that apply to that, but you could make up a different set of rules right. if it is useful for you for solving real-world problems or whatever. So uh, that's those are perhaps the least interesting discussions because the whole, you know, before you even have that discussion, you can say, well, in mathematics, you mean in some formal system that someone has already defined everything about? Well, the answer is already there. You're just yeah. looking it up, right? It's not that that's the definition right. of the of the formal system, unless they don't have a word for hole or something. And then you know, I don't yeah. I don't know enough about topology to, to know how many different systems there are, but those are the least interesting answers because right. they're we're, already arrived at. We're here at the intersection of sort of like uh, human perception and language and the places where things don't fit together, right? The idea of the as a mathematician, it has one hole. As a human being, it has two holes. That's sort of what this podcast is all about is is places and also reining reining people in from saying well what about x and what about y and it's like but we're talking about a straw the question was not about a piece of paper <laughs> right and and the Check the that. idea that you that there is a different answer for a piece of paper and a straw is important that is the important lesson mm-hmm. right that not everything is universally generalizable you can't take one sort of decision ruling discussion and extend it in both directions forever like that's not, that consistency doesn't exist and isn't desirable. All right, I have um, more follow up. We're not done. 
believe it or not. You still out there? Yeah. Okay. I lost you for a second. All right. I was just blowing my nose. All right. We did an episode uh, prompted by listener slash Professor Lisa at Ohio State about uh, why we hate robots that are rolling around our sidewalks. And that the robot was a campus delivery robot um, from Yandex, which got shut down because it was a Russian company. Um, We got a lot of Yandex robot follow-up. I just want to throw in here from listeners Scott and Sam. Yandex did a deal with Grubhub to deploy those rovers on multiple college campuses. Berkeley was not one. I mentioned I saw a delivery robot in Berkeley. Not one that had deployed before the program was suspended. Grubhub was testing the KiwiBot. Yes, that's it, at Berkeley. And and uh, I think this is Sam says, I don't know if the KiwiBots were remotely piloted or not, but the Yandex bots were operating in automated mode, uh, relying on real-time sensing and maps of the service area. Uh, Sam is uh, uh, actually has been on upgrade. Sam uh, is... Uh, an expert in automotive stuff uh, who lives in Michigan. Um, basically, um, this is a form more information kind of thing. The Yandex bot apparently is essentially like a self-driving car in that it is autonomous, except it's being watched by a person who can take over. Uh, so presumably a person who's watching multiple autonomous bots at once, and that's the efficiency they're getting. Otherwise, you just put them out there on a rickshaw and have them deliver that way uh, or a bike or, or a moped or whatever. Uh, so anyway, that I thought that was some interesting follow up that the uh, the bot was it's actually that mixture where it's a uh, it's a guided uh, self-driving item with oversight. So like what they're trying to do with self-driving cars and taxis and things like that. There's a human being watching. Yeah, that would qualify for our minimum. It's a minimum robot definition. It's basically a Roomba with wanderlust and a overlord. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So because it's doing what a Roomba does, it has a task. It is uh, perform- trying to perform it on its own with mm-hmm. its own self-directed, you know, everything. I have to pick uh, up my like, Roomba like, sometimes, right? Where I'm like, yeah, no, no, but, no, no, but no, like no. a Roomba, it's dumb and gets <laughs> stuck. And then it needs a human to intervene. Only in yeah. this case, the human is intervening remotely rather than you going and unwedging it from whatever piece of furniture it got yeah. stuck under. Picking it up, pulling the sock out. And then pressing the button. Well, anyway, thanks to Scott and Sam for that feedback. Um, From episode 116, Scott uh, wrote in, uh, this is our salad episode. Um, Scott's comment, which I just thought was funny, is (laughs) if leaves are necessary for a salad, is a bunch of leaves in a pile of salad thinking about raking leaves in your front yard in the fall that made me laugh the idea that the pile of leaves is actually a salad scott says i'd say no they are not recognizable as a salad without dressing therefore a definition for salad that is inclusive of all these examples is a bunch of bite-sized stuff held together by goo i just that made me laugh that's that's great scott. I, I, I mean i know he's joking but you're this is a great example of uh sort of missing the forest of the trees here uh no pun intended uh leaves isn't the important part it's the fact that they are edible, and if you try to eat a bunch of oak leaves, you're probably going to be sad. So yeah, don't do die. that. That's not a salad. It has to be food, meaning it right. is edible to humans. I mean, but I guess I suppose I think oak what he's leaves try- are... He's trying to say that like potato salad is also edible bite-sized things held together by goo. And so in that sense, macaroni salad, potato salad, and like lettuce mm. salad are all all sort of like that or like chicken salad or tuna salad it's the same yeah, idea at, right look at all those modifiers look at all Goo. those variant modifiers right. that you can't just say salad by themselves you right. have to put those other words in front of it because otherwise it is, it's like salad but we but don't have potatoes right we don't have the phrase leaf salad because that's just salad 
right? <laughs> right. Anyway, I, I, I am going to not, because my I have a very late dropping tree in my front yard, and we're recording mm-hmm. this in late October. It hasn't dropped its leaves yet. Um, but when it does, I'm going to think about if it's a salad. Don't, just, don't eat them, please. Just for Scott. Thank you, Scott. Uh a, a more serious bit of feedback that uh, we got from Francisco, who wanted to point out, uh, we did an episode where you mentioned that, uh, how much genocide was done by the United States in America. Uh, Francisco wanted to point out that in, in in America, writ large, the Americas, the Spanish Empire, had way more genocide, uh, which, like, it's not really a competition, I would say. And I suspect mm-hmm. we really were talking about what is now considered the territory of the United States. But I do think we can all agree there was plenty of genocide out there and the spanish empire did a whole lot of it yeah some, sometimes the same people behind it yeah sometimes so thank you to francisco uh, absolutely right uh listeners dan don and sean wrote in to tell us because we were speculating we didn't have an answer because we just record this and we don't do any research really uh that there were there were actually three voltrons we were asking how many voltrons there were at least in the u.s and what don wrote in was voltron one was the 15 vehicles voltron three was the five lions and voltron two was this weird thing where three humanoid gladiators combined to form a slightly bigger gladiator with six arms okay so there's your voltron history I was so excited to get that because they sent a picture. I'm like, yes, yes, that's the thing. Like, it was half-remembered things from your childhood mm-hmm. that you're not sure is real. And then I saw the picture. I'm like, oh, my God, that's it. That's... I, I think I saved it to my photo album somewhere. But, yeah, Voltron 2. It is on the internet. You can find it. I did not imagine it. It's a real thing. No, it's a nightmare of three guys turning into a six-armed gladiator. It's terrifying. And then uh, my last piece of feedback for you, I get that this came in through the robot at the incomparable.com email address. It says, I'm following up to confirm if you're interested in acquiring the visitor's registrants list for the Toronto International Bike Show. Oh, this is spam. Sorry about that, John. It's just, it's spam. We get some spam sometimes. Anyway, if you're interested in acquiring the list of the Canadian bike riders, they're selling it, apparently. And we do get robot-related spam, which is interesting. I, want, I don't know. It just could be random. You know, it's, it seems significant because the address is robot mm-hmm. at or whatever. Or it could be that spam, there's robot-related spam <laughs> yeah. searching for anything with the word robot in it to spam. Your extended warranty on your robot is about to expire. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Well, that's, the, that's our feedback episode. I hope people really enjoyed it. Uh, we'll probably never do it again. But uh, I thought it was there was enough there for us to, to do it in this episode. Make it, make it seem like almost like a real podcast. Yeah, we can do it again in five years. Okay, we'll be meet right back here. Robot.